Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and His Word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. Acts chapter number 10. We're starting a new series this month uh, called This Is Us. This is our birthday month. Can we just woohoo? It's our birthday month, okay? Now, now, next Sunday is actually our third church anniversary, uh, and we're going to have uh, baptisms and burgers and food and all kind of stuff. And so uh, you'll want to stick around for that. If you've been um, uh, uh, prayerfully considering baptism, next weekend would be the weekend for you to do that. Invite your family and friends. It's going to be a party and, and you're all invited. OK, uh, uh, but this month we're, 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 we're starting a series called This Is Us now. There's a popular television show called This Is Us uh, that I've never seen one second of. And so um, there's no tie-in between this and that show uh, because from everything I've heard about it, you cry a lot and I don't have time in my free time to give people my emotions, okay? Church is emotional enough, okay? Uh, but but what, what we're declaring here over the next five weeks uh, are the things that make Embassy City, Embassy City. The things that make us, us, okay? Uh, And uh, uh, while I was in England, God gave me uh, every single uh, topic for each uh, weekend. Uh, Amazingly, they all start with the letter D because God's just into alliteration like that. And and so um, this first D uh, that we're talking about in this series is diversity. Diversity. And the title of this message is Diversity, Don't Leave Here Without It. Diversity, Don't Leave Here Without It. I'm going to read you something in Acts chapter number 10. I'm actually reading the entire chapter and you're going to deal with it. OK, um, I'm not afraid of reading the Bible in church. OK, this is what we came to do. Uh, Acts chapter number 10, starting at the first verse. Here's what it says. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel and the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and devout and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. When you pray when you're hungry, that may not be good, okay? Those might be hangry prayers, okay? But but while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Now, this is how you know he was hungry. Uh, He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. 
Peter was very perplexed. What could this vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house uh, standing outside the gate. They asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He's a devout and God-fearing, well-respected by all the Jews, all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and called and had called together his relatives and close friends. This man was evangelizing even when the boy got to the house. Okay, this was great. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I am a human just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, you know, it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied, four days ago, I was praying in my house about this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once. And it was good for you to come. Now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. If you have a real Bible, underline it. If you got it in your phone, highlight it. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news of the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life. On the third day, then God allowed him to appear not to the general public, but to us whom God has chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be judge of all the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers came with, who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to them being baptized? Now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days.
diversity. Don't leave here without it. I want you to imagine for a moment that you have been selected by God, not just you, but your family, called out from amongst many nations to be his chosen people. He's called you to live in a different way than everyone else in society and culture. He's called you to worship in a different way than other people in the entire world worship. He's called you to live in such a way that is so distinct that people kind of scratch their head and are puzzled that you're not going along with mainstream culture. That you're not going along with what society's rules and regulations are, spoken and unspoken. I want you to imagine that God has called your family out and then told you to raise children that would live the same way and some more children that will live the same way. To after several generations, you go from a few dozen people that worship God to millions of people that worship God this way. I want you to imagine now that you've been persecuted on every side by every other nation because of the way that you choose to worship and because of the way that you choose to live your life for God. Thousands of years pass. There's been prophecies given to family after family, generation after generation, that one day a Messiah was going to come and redeem your people, save your nation, that the government would be on his shoulders, that all the persecution that you've endured would dissipate once this person arrived. And when that, first, that person finally gets here in the name Jesus, he comes to the lost sheep of Israel. He declares that he is the Messiah, that the Old Testament prophets uh, have spoken of and wrote of, that every single person in the Old Testament was pointing to this Jesus. We've waited for him. This, this, this king who, who's coming for, for our exclusive nation, He's coming to redeem us. And that man comes and he does exactly what he said he was going to do. But, but along the way, before he goes to the cross to do this ultimate uh, uh, sacrifice, he starts doing some stuff that, that you maybe start questioning. He starts talking to some people that, that, that you maybe uh, have some question marks in your head about. You start asking them some questions like, why are you talking to them? Because for thousands of years, it's been us. Like, 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 we're the persecuted people. That we're the only ones that believe in God. We're called uh, Jews for a reason. You took some people that were not people and made them people because you said so. God takes those things that are not and calls them as they are. And what he says has to come to being because his word cannot come back to him void. He, he, he draws these people out and these people have been living for thousands of years with this exclusivity with God. 
Sure, there's some people, uh, the rabble that get in, that, that, that have to convert to Judaism, that, that, can, that can call themselves people of the same faith. But, but, but these people have a lineage that can be traced back to Abraham. They don't need to have uh, uh, Ancestry.com. They don't need 23andMe. They don't need to do any DNA tests because generation after generation has been pointing them back to their tribe has been pointing them back to a person whose name is Abraham. Then the Messiah comes. We would be his disciples. I think we all would. And and, and we start seeing him talking to people that he should not be talking to. You didn't come for them. So that is not who you came for. We've had the real struggle. They haven't really been having that struggle. And Jesus keeps doing this. And he does it in ways that, that, that... quite frankly, would be offensive even to the people that follow them. Can you imagine we are Jesus's disciples? We are a a, a people uh, that can trace our lineage back to Abraham. And he looks a Roman soldier in the face and says, that guy has more faith than everybody in Israel. Really? He don't even go to the synagogue, Lord. And you mean to tell me this guy has more faith? We following you every day. And this Roman centurion This Gentile? You mean to tell me this Gentile has more faith than we do? What is Jesus doing? He's coming to fulfill the promise of Scripture. But he's also coming to bust up the exclusivity party. He's coming to redeem the people he was sent for. But he's also coming to redeem people that they don't even believe he was sent for. Because when he got on that cross, he didn't just get on that cross for the people that can trace their lineage back to Abraham. He got on that cross for everybody. He dies on that cross. He's buried. He rises again on the third day. He shows himself to those that he had been walking with. Then he tells him before he leaves that you're going to be given power to be my witnesses right here in Jerusalem, down to Judea, to Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. Be prepared for this because you're going to take this message and the gospel to everybody. Acts chapter number two is this incredible moment where the Holy Spirit is outpoured on the people that are up in this upper room. But here's what most people don't realize. They were all Jews. These were all Jewish people. Imagine now, you have been waiting for the Messiah. You have this exclusivity with God. The Holy Spirit falls on you and you go, this is what Jeremiah was talking about. This is what the prophet Joel was talking about. This is the fulfillment of scripture. We have the Holy Spirit. All the people that heard uh, uh, their their own language were were, were Jews that had been dispersed and were coming back. Sure, there were a couple of converts to Judaism, but this was predominantly Jewish people. If you read through chapter three, chapter four, chapter five, chapter six, chapter seven, chapter eight, Philip starts evangelizing Ethiopian eunuchs. There's like little cameo appearances of of other people that are not Jews starting to embrace this faith. But Acts chapter number 10, 
bust this whole thing wide open. That's why I had to read you the whole thing. Because it's, 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 it's really good to have the text in context. I don't want to read you three verses because it'd be too long if I read the whole thing. Deal with it. I caught some of y'all up on your devotion all week. Okay? I did y'all a favor, okay? I helped you out. A little pitiful three verses that you read before you go to work. I just, I just caught you up on three weeks right there. Okay? 48 verses. Marinate in it, okay? It's, he's still reading. Go to the bathroom. Come back. I'm going to still be reading. Listen. Acts chapter number 10 is an absolute game changer because in Acts chapter number 10, there's this Roman centurion who is a devout man who loves God. He loves the faith. He wants in. God knows he wants in. And as he's praying, God tells him there's a guy in Joppa staying at Simon the Tanner's house. Go to his house. You'll see a guy named, you'll find a guy named Simon Peter there. Tell him to come over to your house. This is unprecedented. See, see a Gentile could go to a Jewish person's house. But at this time, a Jewish person would never step foot in a Gentile person's house. But he was a praying man, and because he prayed, God gave him a word. On the other side, Peter, on a day that he was hangry, goes up to the flat roof to pray. Until the food is ready. It's amazing to me how our physical state can uh, uh, influence our spiritual state. Because he has a vision. And the vision is about food. So what happens when you pray when you're hungry? God can still talk to you. But it might be oranges. You might get a burger in your dream. <laughs> it just interrupts the interpretation. God, God showed me a burger. <laughs> with special sauce and pickles and lettuce. I just need to know the interpretation of it. I, I have the word. You're hungry, all right? So he prays and he gets this very, very unique dream. God shows him food that he's forbidden in his law to eat. Shows him the vision three times and then goes away. As Soon as this vision goes away, the people who started traveling from yesterday arrive at Simon the Tanner's house. And the Holy Spirit tells Peter, there's some people downstairs and I want you to go down there because this is me. Goes downstairs and he talks to them. And they all go back to Cornelius's house. They get in Cornelius's house. <laughs> Peter's like, listen, I shouldn't even be here based on everything that we've been taught for generation after generation, but the Holy Spirit just gave me an updated word. Can I just pause and say that we need God's updated words? That, 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 that there's, there, there's, a, there's a reason why uh, it talks about the preceding word of God, right? Be, be, because it's a continuation. God is always speaking. God is never saying one thing is final, always. He's always progressive in what he's saying. And he gets an updated word that I, I, I think I should be over here with you now. And, and that's why I'm here. And, and Cornelius is so excited to, that the man came. He's like, oh, thank you so much. And he gets ready to worship him. And Peter has a complete freak out. Ah, get up. Do not worship me. 
Now, now if we said that right now, uh, in, in some circles, that would be blasphemous. Peter is saying himself, do not worship me. I'm just a regular man just like you. We should never deify nor glorify God's messengers. They are regular people just like us. I'm grateful that God gave me a gift that I get to share with you all, but that's all it is, is a gift in me that I get to share with y'all. I should not be getting preferential treatment. I don't need special water and green M&Ms that don't touch each other at room temperature right before I preach. Listen, we're all regular people serving in the kingdom. It just so happens that he wants me to preach. That's it. But there's no difference to me between preaching with my gift or making diamonds in this carpet. I'm serving with the gift that he gave me. Peter goes inside the house. He starts talking to him and he's looking around. And it's amazing what happens with proximity. It's amazing what happens when you when you get people in the same room. See, because it's 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 really, really easy to hate people. Far away. It becomes increasingly difficult to do it up close especially when you get in somebody's house. You start looking around going, I think we've had the wrong per- per- perception of you. Y'all were considered unclean. We was never supposed to be in here. This is a nice house. <laughs> Man, you Romans can decorate. This is, and you love God. This is awesome. We're all here and I brought friends. This, this is, this is, let's just make this an embassy city place. I brought everybody over here and, and, and we want to hear what you have to say. And Peter, this is why I loved reading the whole thing. I love Peter to me is uh, uh, one of the, the most delightfully uh, laziest preachers ever. <laughs> if you go listen to his sermon in Acts chapter number two, it's majority scripture and his own personal testimony. You listen to this thing he said. All he said is it was a recap of what he's done with Jesus. Right. There is no deep theology going on here. We overcome by the word, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And Peter has shown this every time he's opened his mouth to preach. And, and we call him like like a bold preacher. All he's doing is saying the same thing over and over again because the gospel simple. The gospel is simple and you don't need to add to it. And please, God, don't take away from it. It's just simple. Peter preaches to them and declares to them the word of the Lord. And and something amazing happens. While he's telling them this story, the Holy Spirit falls like it did in the upper room when it was all Jews. The same exact way. They started speaking in other languages and everything. And they was like, what is going on here? This is crazy. Same thing that just happened to us in the upper room has just happened to them. God don't have no favorites, does he? I thought we were special. I thought it was just us. I thought it was us for and no more. I thought it was just our denomination. I thought it was just our ethnicity. I thought it was just our way of thinking. He loves everybody the same. And they don't even have to be circumcised. 
Only the men in here. Amen. Amen. A quiet amen. Amen. Because what if I don't want to? Okay, it's just, right? The Holy Spirit comes upon them and, 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 and it revolutionizes. Within three, within three chapters, the gospel is going to everybody. Let, let me tell you something about God's grace. It's promiscuous. I know that's probably a word that you've always taken with a negative context, but let me tell you something. God's grace is promiscuous. It will get with anybody. It does not care. If you want him, he wants you. It starts going to everybody. So there's three points to this message that I want you to have. Because this is us. Embassy City is a church that is really, really serious about diversity. And I'm going to tell you why in these three points. Point number one, please write this down. Diversity isn't optional. I'm going to say that again. Diversity isn't optional. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter number 28, verses 18 through 20. We call this the Great Commission. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Underline that, write that down. Go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Diversity isn't optional because our chief apostle said so. The last thing he told him before he said the power was coming was that I want you to take this gospel and this message to all the nations. You can't just take it to the people that look like you. You can't just take it to the people that act like you. You can't just take it to the people that think like you. Take this gospel to all the nations. This is not optional. It's mandatory. Any church that does not understand this is violating the Great Commission. I don't have permission as an African-American by ethnicity to preach a black liberation theology. Matthew chapter number 28 prohibits me from doing so. I have to preach the gospel to all the nations, not with an ethnic flavor that will only be for one group of people. It must be for every single nation. I can't have a passport and go to the UK if I only want to preach to one ethnicity. I can't have a passport to Australia and Asia if I only want to speak to one ethnicity. And this is the thinking that we have to get out of the church. This is not an American church. This is a kingdom church. And a kingdom church thinks completely differently than an American church. Diversity isn't optional. The reason why American churches can stay uh, segregated is because they're American churches. They've allowed the narrative of America to override the narrative of the kingdom. We need more kingdom churches that will override the narrative of America's problems and push diversity in the way the Bible talks about, not the way America talks about. Because how's that worked out for him? The kingdom's very simple. 
But your country of origin will, will frustrate it and complicate it if we don't just get back to the book. Jesus said, go take this to all nations. Point number two, please write this down. Ooh, I feel it in here today. Woo, I'm telling you, I've been so ready to teach this word because I feel like God wants to do something significant in this church, not for us to boast, but just to as a picture of heaven and prove to this country, prove to this city that God can do something spectacular if we all come in with his mindset. Point number two, write this down. Diversity is intentional. Woo, good God, I feel this thing. I'm so hype right now. Y'all got to forgive me. Diversity is intentional. John chapter number four. This is one of the most brilliant things I've, I've seen in scripture as to Jesus's intentionality as it relates to diversity. Jesus knew the Pharisees uh, had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Uh, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Verse number four. This is, un, this is just unbelievable verse. Verse number four. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Now, this is, this is interesting to me. Um, uh, Samaritans were, were basically uh, a biracial people, okay? Uh, uh, we have many interracial couples uh, in uh, uh, our uh, community, and uh, they, they've given us these beautiful uh, mocha babies, okay, and these light-skinned babies, okay, and these just, just beautiful uh, Baskin-Robin flavors, but butter pecan and pecan praline, and it's, it's just... <laughs> just beautiful babies, okay? It's just giving, y'all have given us some, y'all have given us some beautiful kids, okay? Love taking pictures in the children's ministry because these babies are gorgeous, okay? Now, here's the thing. Uh, 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 Samaritans were basically biracial people that did not get along with Jews uh, and Jews didn't get along with them because Jews were like, hey, we are pure Jews and you are mixed with Assyrian blood and you're interracial and you're kind of over there and we're kind of over here. And, uh, uh, but verse four said that Jesus, it, John, who laid his head on his chest, who knows him pretty well, said that he had to go through Samaria. Well, the only problem with that is he didn't. He had to do nothing. He's Jesus. He could have went wherever he went. And Jewish people never would have went through Samaria. Matter of fact, the Jewish route, if they were in the same location Jesus was in, they would have went far east and then went north just to go around Samaria. Jesus said he needed to go through Samaria. Which means he was intentional. And he goes to sit on the well to talk to a woman who had been married five times and was with a man that she wasn't even married to now because that's just a complicated Facebook update to keep on posting. <laughs> After five wedding photos with five different men, you need to stop posting. Just stop. You, actually, you need to delete your account. Just don't put, it, don't put nothing up no more. God's still working on me. Just shut the Facebook down so we don't have to see him working on you. Okay. He goes and sits on a well and waits for this woman to show up, has this great conversation with her 
Okay, when, when, the, when the disciples finally find out where he is, what, aren't they shocked? If you remember the story, what are you doing here talking to her? You sent us grocery shopping and this, way, this is the route you chose? What are you doing? He's being intentional about diversity. He's trying to show them before he leaves, this is how I want you to do it. You can't just cross your fingers and hope to be diverse. I, I love all people and I just hope we wind up diverse. Let's just pray them in. No, no, you have to intentionally go to some places that you normally would not go to to meet some people that you normally would not meet. That has to be intentional. You cannot get chocolate milk without adding chocolate. You can put the chocolate there and the, and, and the Nesquik right there and, 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 and the milk right there and go, mm, Jesus, diversity. <laughs> diversity. Mm. It's never going to be. Unless you put that in there, it's not going to be there. You can't get cream in your coffee without adding it. You're not going to pray it in. It's in my heart. Put it in my cup. Let it run over Jesus. Let my cup overflow. My coffee and cream. <laughs> Let me stop. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting silly. Okay. Diversity has to be intentional. We want this to be a diverse church. So we've been intentional. The way we hired has been intentional. I don't care if that goes against your HR protocol and principles. We want diversity. We prayed in ethnicities. We've prayed in nations. When we think about altar ministry team, we want every single type of shade and ethnicity ministering to people. When we worship, we want as many cultures and nationalities and ethnicities worshiping. When we greet people, we want as many greeters as we can greeting. Why? We're trying to show a picture to the world. And you can't do that because you think it. Well, it's in my head. It's really in my heart. You have to be intentional about this. We're starting Embassy City Places, something that I'm very, very excited about. I can't wait to start uh, our small group in Denton. Everybody can come. I want everybody to come. I'm looking for everybody to come. When I go out and witness to people, I witness to everybody. One of my favorite, uh, uh, you'll, you'll think I'm bougie, but just deal with it. Um, one of my favorite uh, places uh, to sow seed and, and, and see harvest is at Four Seasons. I know it's bougie, just deal with it. So I go to Four Seasons and uh, I've been able to ev evangelize Catholics and Muslims and Hindus, because we have a, a, a strong uh, Muslim and Hindu population uh, on the north side of Irving. I've been able to talk to all of them. They asked me to pray for them. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. I've invited them to church. They have yet to come. <laughs> but I'm inviting them. And they're like, I I is the church like you? Yeah, man. You should just come. It's fun. Are they going to hug me like you hug me? Yes. I hug all the waiters. I hug everybody in there. I go get a massage. I hug everybody. Everybody say, what's going on? Because I want to be intentional. If we're not intentional about diversity, we won't be diverse. And so you have to consciously think. Remember what Jesus did? He said he needed to go that way. He didn't have to, but he made it a necessity for him 
And that's the only way he got to them. So diversity is intentional. Point number three, please write this down. It's my favorite point. Diversity is heavenly. Diversity is absolutely heavenly. I found this uh, in Revelation chapter number five, verses nine and ten. I could not believe y'all. It, it just, I've been saved for 22 years, been reading the Bible, I love it, preaching. This never dawned on me. This absolutely never dawned on me. But in Revelation chapter number five, verses nine and ten, here's what it says. And let me give you the context of it. Uh, John is having this open vision of heaven. And uh, there's a seal that needs to be opened. Nobody was worthy to 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 open up the seal uh, until the lamb that was slain, the lamb that was slaughtered, as scripture says, actually opens up that seal. And when he opens up that seal, uh, starting at verse nine, here's what it says. And they sang a new song with these words. Now, I, let me pause. You all know I'm a very visual person. I see Everything that I read, I, I, I visualize everything people say and talk about. I visualize everything people read. And so I want you to think about this. We're, we're all seeing this scene in heaven. Jesus Christ, who's the only one that's worthy to open up this particular scroll, opens up the scroll. And when he opens up the scroll, they say, let's sing a new song that no one's ever heard before. Lyrics, please. OK. And these are the lyrics to this song. Worthy. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it, period. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, period. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God and they will reign on the earth, period. They sang a new song in heaven. Three sentences, three verses, as we would say, and a third of the lyrics are about diversity. Out of everything they could have sung. Now, now you know, holy, holy, holy has been on heavy rotation. Right. That, that's been like the KLTY jam since, be, be, you know, as soon as like whatever, however he spoke angels or whatever, they came out flapping. Holy, 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 holy. So that's been on heavy rotation in heaven. And clearly they don't get tired of that song. That's just been the jam forever. OK. Until Jesus breaks open this seal. He breaks. He breaks open this seal and they're like new song. Everybody's like, what? There's a new song. We ain't heard a new song since. Since. Right, right? It's eternity, so I don't even know how you go back. And I don't know how to do it a day. It's just a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. Can't deal with it. Okay, so they start singing this new song. And, and it's only three verses. And, and the second verse is about every tribe, every tongue, every language, and every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every language, and every nation. Say it with me. Every tribe and every tongue, every language, and every nation. Do it again. Every tribe and every tongue, every language, and every nation. One more time. Every time. Every Every language and every... Listen, 
He's looking at something that's like at the end. And here's what he's saying. I'm going to open up a scroll. There's going to be a song. And it's going to be so diverse. Every tribe, every tongue, every language, and every nation is going to sing it up here. Now, if they going to sing it up there, we should probably practice singing it here. I don't want to be the first time I'm hearing every tribe and every tongue and every language and every nation to be when I get to heaven because I was so closed off to anybody that didn't look like me, sound like me, think like me, act like me, that I get to heaven and wind up shocked and go, all of y'all up here? I didn't even know that y'all were. So we should practice down here together. But I think we should also contribute to the population of that diversity by reaching out to every tribe. Every tongue, every language, and every nation. Here's why the full title of this message is diversity. Don't leave here without it. Because if Embassy City Church is going to be the place that you call home, this is us. And if there's anything that you find in your heart that makes you incapable of being this type of person, I'll say this as lovingly as I can, this is probably not the community for you. If sitting next to people that don't look like you, sound like you, act like you, think like you, vote like you, pray like you, worship like you, bothers you, I guarantee you this is probably not your church. What brings us together is not politics. What brings us together is not musical genres. What brings us together is not the kind of food that you eat or the places that you like to go. What brings us together is one person. His name is Jesus. He died on the cross, rose again, and he's given us something to have in common. (laughs) He's given us a song to sing that we have in common. I've been redeemed is the song of a believer that we have in common. You don't have a different song than I do. It doesn't matter if you've been on the if you were born on the pew or if you got saved eight minutes ago. I've been redeemed is the song that we sing. And I think it sounds better if we all sing it together. Amen. This is. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.